Hi, it's Matt, and welcome to the second series of the Cult Creator Experience, a podcast designed to share with you great digital leaders, podcasting, and content creation. I'm on a mission to help you find success through content creation. In this second series, I wanted to try something a little bit different. Series one was all about my process and sharing with you what I consider when I'm making a podcast. And that got me thinking, I wonder what people consider success in content creation. So in the second series, I'm going to go out there and find other creators. I've got 10 different stories to share with you and 10 different definitions of what success looks like from their content creation. But before we get into the show, can I just ask quickly that you hit the subscribe or follow button on your podcasting app of choice so that you can keep up with all of these incredible tales of success through content and podcasting. And without further ado, let's get into the podcast. In this episode of The Creator Experience, we are fortunate enough to be speaking with Chris Ducker, serial entrepreneur, best-selling author, and international business mentor. Chris has been creating content for his business since 2010. He's produced four podcast series with another one on the way, and his most recent series has over 8 million downloads and 450 episodes. In total, he's probably produced over a 1,000 podcast episodes, and that doesn't include his guest appearances. So Chris definitely knows a thing or two about utilizing content to grow your personal brand. And we talk about that today. Chris shares with us how he uses podcasts to create relationships that help grow his business. We talk about how he uses show formats to stay true to his own style. And he shares how to stay consistent and engaged with your audience. For more information about Chris, head to chrisducker.com and I hope you enjoy the show. Chris, thank you for joining me today on the podcast. Let's jump straight into it. If you could introduce yourself and your podcast, please. Sure. Well, I'm Chris Ducker. I'm the host of the Youpreneur podcast, which is uh, just about to hit 450 episodes and 8 million downloads. Wow. And can you share with me your journey up until the point that you decided you were going to create a podcast? Because there's a myriad of other content methods you could have been using. Yeah. What brought you to that moment? Yeah, you, Youpreneur as, as a show is, I think, my third or my fourth podcast, I think. My first podcast I started in April of 2010. And, um, you know, prior to kind of January that year, the only reason I really used the internet was to build our company website, to check email and watch, you know, silly cat videos right, <laughs> on, on YouTube. Um, and that, I'm being serious. That was literally the only reason I was using the web. Yeah. And then, and then somebody, so, you know, you, you've, you're good. You're good on a mic. You're good on stage. You should start a podcast. I'm like, what's a podcast? And it kind of just grew from there. And over the course of 2010, we went from like, you know, zero listeners when we started to probably an average, and it's always very hard to tell in terms of analytics, but yeah. I look back probably an average of around about sort of two and a half thousand people a month um, tuning in and it just snowballed from there. And now we're up to, I don't even know what the numbers are now, to be honest with you, but it's it's been a progression, you know, a, a progressive journey 
um, of taking it more and more seriously as right. the years have gone by. And now podcasting for us as a company is very much in the middle of everything that we do when we plan out our content quarter on quarter, month on month. And we're actually about to launch a new show as well uh, really? at the end of the second quarter. So yeah, we, we love podcasting. We, we think it's great. So that first iteration of podcasting to what you have now, how much has that changed? Like for me personally, yeah. not much. Right. Uh, I mean, ex- except for the obvious, as you grow a show organically, you get more eyeballs, you get more shares, you get more subscribers, et cetera, et cetera. That's gotten obviously better and better and better year on year. But in terms of like the production of the show, the planning of the show, not much has changed really that much over the last... I'd say like eight, nine years or so. So 12 years in, yeah. you know, you kind of, you're, you're scrummaging around, rummaging around, kind of like looking for ideas and what works and what doesn't work for, for the first little while. Uh, and then you get into a formula. And then it got to the point where, well, I'm not going to edit the show anymore because mm. my time is better spent recording more episodes. And so for me now, all I do is I make my notes. I prep the show. Um, I make my notes. I record it. And once I'm done with the recording, I dump it into a Dropbox folder and my team takes it over from there. Not everybody's got a team that can do that, obviously. But, yeah. you know, for the first three years, I prepped, recorded and edited and uploaded every single show myself. So there's no excuses not to do it if you want to. <laughs> not really. Yeah, exactly. And when you launched a show, did you uh, identify your target market first? Did you look at other people for style ideas so that you could achieve that target audience? They... They were already with me. Right. Um, so, you know, there's a couple of ways to kind of start a show. You can either just start it from scratch and you are, you know, you're trying to attract people at that point from day one, right? Yeah. Or you can start a show after you've already built a following of some variety. So whether you've built it on, you know, another somebody else's platform like Instagram or YouTube or something, or whether you've built it on your own website, through your blog, your email list, et cetera, they're really the only two ways, you, you know, the two situations that you'll have when, when launching a podcast. For me, when I launched even the first show, I'd been blogging for about six months or so prior to the podcast coming out. And so I already had an audience to launch it to, which definitely helps. Like, yeah. Let's not kid around. Like, it definitely helps. But with that being said, you know, if I had to pick now, if you've, if you've got an established audience of any size and you know who you're serving already, a podcast for me is the biggest asset that you, cre- you can create from a content standpoint because... Because the audience already knows and likes you, mm. you don't have to worry about overcoming that hump, that that hump, right? Yeah. That hurdle on the show itself. Because you know who likes you, you know who you're creating the show for, yeah. and you just go forth and do it. The great thing about podcasting is that if you look at, say, YouTube, for example, I mean, we talk about content in general, but YouTube, you know, the average view time of a YouTube video is, you know, six, seven minutes yeah. max. And that's like across the board. That's everything from one minute short to, you know, four-hour Joe Rogan, you know, podcast episodes, right? Yeah, yeah. So when you think about the fact that the average is only five, six, seven minutes or whatever it is on on YouTube, and then when you look at podcasts and you realize that the average listening time is about 30 minutes, you know, the connection that you make 
with your podcast listener rather than your YouTube viewer, mm. in my eyes, my humble opinion, is much, much greater. And because of that, you know, because we talk about it from creating content from a business standpoint, yeah. the, you know, the ability to be able to create that relationship and ferment that relationship and grow that relationship, for me, is a much shorter sales process due mm. to the fact that they're spending so much more time yeah. with you in their eardrum, so to speak. They've already made that commitment almost. Yeah. And, you know, those yeah. touch points have just been dealt with. That's um, right. I mean, you talk about your audience that you brought to podcasting. Did you find that you fostered a new audience through podcasting that you weren't expecting? Any sort of target demographics that came out of the woodwork? They were like, I actually help these people with my podcast. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. That's that's an that's a really interesting question because you know I've I've always well when I, when I say I've always I would say probably over the last seven or eight years or so it was becoming more and more apparent to me that I was connecting better with a slightly older audience so kind of mid forties and and above okay right? and I'm I'm forty nine myself this year and so when I first started out I was just podcasting for anybody that wanted to listen yeah right. But once you realize who you're really helping, then you should, you shouldn't ignore it. You should start dialing down your message, start dialing down the topics you talk about and things like that. And so um, I started doing that about probably five years ago, really like seriously, strategically. The really interesting thing was that I was actually attracting more middle-aged women Really? Than I was middle-aged men by quite a lot, like 65%. Wow, okay. Yeah. So um, I'd like to think it's because of my strikingly good looks and <laughs> wit and charm. We're talking about a podcast but not, here, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not completely convinced that's the case. But nonetheless, <laughs> ladies, I'm more than happy to entertain you if uh, you feel the need to be so... <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the product then, because like you said, you, you dial down on that target audience. How do you shape, can you share with the listener sort of what your format is and why it is that format? So there's two different types of shows. Hmm. Um, I'm, a I, I'm an actual talker rather than a typer. So podcasting is perfect for me rather than blogging. I don't think I've written a blog post for about seven years now, even though we publish one almost every week. My team does it all. Yeah, know? sure. Two types of format. The first one is a solo show. Uh, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's me, usually riffing for around about 15 to 20 minutes, absolute max, uh, on one topic or, or one situation. You know, maybe there's a question that's come in and I thought, oh, that would make a good show. You know, I'll go and make some notes and just record it. Um, maybe sometimes, you know, it's a little bit more strategic than that. Maybe we've got an event coming up or a, a program or a product launch coming up that, you know, I, I want to be kind of a little bit more front and center yeah. because, you know, people make a buying decision based on their relationship and perception of me. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of like the solo show. And then we have the interview format, which when I started podcasting for the longest time, actually, I could probably count on one hand how many solo shows I recorded up to maybe 2018. Really? So it's, yeah, so it's pretty recent. Yeah. Almost everything I did was interview format uh, and quite selfishly to begin with because I was like, well, you don't know what you don't know. I'm, I know quite a lot, but I don't know everything. 
And so why not invite people onto the show that do know what I don't know and I'll just grill them yeah. in, a, in a free consultation session fundamentally yeah. and then, you know, and then publish it for the world, right? And so that, you know, that's always been my kind of thing. But yeah, the solo shows, I think what's happened is as we have become more and more focused on growing our own coaching and mentoring services and programs, mm. you know, the team was quite honest and said like, you know, Chris, you need to be more front and center. You need to show people that, you know, you're a true expert in your niche as well. Yeah, uh, It's great to have all the guests coming on, but people need to see you as the expert as well as just the podcast host kind of thing, which makes total sense. Yeah, sure. Complete sense. And so we made that tweak and now it's basically a 50-50 split between the two. Very nice. And it makes kind of sense, doesn't it? To, it's exciting to network with podcasting. It's a, a real common example. People have said, oh, I'm talking to people that I've never spoken yeah. to before. Exactly. And it, it's done more for me from a relationship building standpoint mm. than any other activity that I've gotten involved with. I mean, my, some of my closest friends I met through podcast interviews, some of my, um, you know, my mentors, my personal mentors, business mentors, I've met through podcast interviews. So it, it certainly has helped to create uh, that kind of six degree of separation in terms of yeah. my network and the people that I get to call friends nowadays, which is great. Yeah, definitely. I remember meeting you at New Media Europe in 2016, I think. Yeah, I remember I did the closing keynote at that. Yeah. And it was amazing. The community, everyone, I volunteered and you, I was made to feel so welcome. And we were a fledgling podcast enterprise at, at that time. And uh, yeah, everyone was so welcoming and everyone was really willing to hear your story to then offer you something. Just whether it, they don't yeah. like take you under their wing or anything, but just a little bit of advice and you know, making you feel safe. It was, it was awesome. Well, they say a good, a good interviewer, podcast host, chat show host, whatever you want to, what label you want to use, they listen twice as much as they talk, mm. right? And so... When you're in that environment where many people are in the same game and they understand it and appreciate it, yeah. uh, and what goes goes on kind of behind the scenes, I think you're more likely to find people that really kind of get it. Mm, definitely. They respect it, you know. So when you launched your podcast to now the purpose of your podcast, what are your determinants for success and have they changed over time with it? Uh, no, it hasn't really changed at all. There's two things. It's number one, engagement. Mm. And number two, downloads. That's always been the two things that we have uh, focused on above and beyond everything. And in that order as well. I think a lot of people, they start a show and they, they kind of obsess over their download numbers just a little bit too much. And they, they really don't mean anything at all mm. unless you're getting engagement from your listeners uh, or your viewers if you've got a video show um, yeah. as well, right? Like, you know, you, no point of having 10,000 people downloading every episode of your show if you're only getting one email a week from them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, we we really look at the engagement side of things. And if we have a almost every episode, there's a call to action of some variety, uh, whether it's a hit me up on Twitter, let me know what you thought, make sure you use episode 480 or something like that, yeah, you yeah. know, and just really sort of try and figure out where people are, tuning in from where, you know, and I'm not, I don't mean what app they're using. I mean, like, where are they right. when they're listening to the show? Like, you know, I, I sometimes start the show by saying, I appreciate there's a ton of shows that you could listen to, but right now you're choosing mine. Yeah. Do me a favor, 
send me a message on Instagram. Let me know where you're listening to me right now. I'd love to know. You'd be surprised, Matt, just how many people every month reply to that particular call to action. I'm in the gym. I'm walking the dog. I'm in the bath. Really? I mean... You'd be really surprised. So, so now I know that you know not only is my audience sixty-five percent middle-aged women, but quite a few of them actually listen to me in the bath, which is quite interesting. Nice. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that could have been one of your determinants for success when you started, right? Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I'm going to put that one right up there with engagement, <laughs> engagement. and download numbers. <laughs> yeah. Now, where are they? Are they in the bath? I mean, oh, they can't get dear. away. Yeah, that's fantastic. Let's go um, into the more of the content creation side. This is a big one. When people are starting out, they think it's going to take forever. Some of the creators I've spoken to, it does take forever, and they really put their heart and soul into it. So can you share your process of creating a podcast from idea to ear, basically? Yeah, I mean, it certainly has become more fluid and easier over the years like with anything else, with repetition, with practice, with you know mm. consistency, you just get better and better at it. If I'm doing a solo show, for example, all I really need is a post-it note and my pen, and that's quite literally my yeah. prep for it. You know, I'll think of what topic I'm going to talk about. I'll make usually no more than five bullet points, and I know that you know out of those five bullet points, intro and outro, I've got a 15-minute show ready to go. Yeah, simple as that. But that's because I've done it over and over and over again. You know, I mean, we're up to 450 episodes of Youpreneur. There was probably at least another 250 episodes of the other three shows that I've been involved in over the years as well. So that's, you know, six, 700 episodes recorded just on my own, plus well over three, 400 interviews over the last 10 years as well. Mm. So, we're, you know, we're talking well over a 1,000 podcast episodes yeah. across the board. And it just becomes easier. So the, the the simple thing that I would suggest to anybody when they're thinking about potentially recording a solo show specifically is just to understand that you it's much like a book. You need a beginning, a middle, and an end. Mm. And so, you know, I, I'm not quite sure who it was that said this. It might have been Jim Rowan. And I might be paraphrasing slightly here, but I believe he or somebody very smart once said, Tell them what you're going to say. <laughs> Thinking the same thing. Then say it and then tell them what you're told yeah. or something to that effect, right? Um, and so that's it. That's your beginning, your middle, and your end. But also with, with context behind it. It's not, today I'm going to share with you my top three tips for you know, writing a, a blog post that will go viral. Mm-hmm. And then you go into your three tips. It shouldn't be about that. It should be, did you know that there's over 4 billion blogs on the web, on the internet, blah, 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 blah. One of the easiest ways to be found via Google is to have a blog post mm. that's been crawled by them, which pops up in search results. So if you're not blogging already, you should be. And today I'm going to give you my top three tips to get started with blogging. Right. See, the context is there. Now I've sucked them in. They know exactly why they need to listen to me. And I think that's the big thing. And a lot of people skate over that little initial little bit of you know, feedback or extra that you've got to include. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's, you know, that's it. Your beginning, your middle, your end. Understand also that not everything you say, not every episode that you publish is going to be amazing. Um, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. better done than not, right? Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah, and I think there's a key point you raised there, which is the, the identification of the problem. And then the solution. I think there's a lot of content creative that is just the solution. 
And mm. if people don't even relate to the problem or didn't you know, identify the problem themselves, they're just going to skip past it and they'll never know the power that's exactly. there. And if you know your avatar properly, mm. if you know your target market properly, yeah. you can always find a way to make it relatable yeah. with your language, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you skip that first part, you do it at your own peril, as I always say. Yeah, take them from point A to point B, be along that journey. Yeah. I want to go back to the the other podcast that you've done, because I think that's a really interesting point. Um, there's a, you know, the term pod fade, people are afraid of failing, so they just don't start stuff. And I think that content creation is putting yourself out there, it's exposing yourself. People don't want to do that and then fail. But you've reiterated or been part of three other podcasts prior to the Upreneur FM podcast. Can you explain why those stopped and, and about those transitions between different identities or, or brands? Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. So, I mean, it, okay, so the first one was Virtual Business Lifestyle. Mm -hmm. That was 2010. Um, we went for about, a, I think, 150 episodes. Um, so, you know, a couple of years or so, maybe a bit more. And that show kind of ended because the focus of that show was was more towards kind of the four-hour work week buzz, right. which was all the rage when I yeah, started yeah. it. I, I don't you know, have any issues admitting the fact that I was riding on those coattails, yeah. you know. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> um, you know, and and so, you know, we, we would talk about automation, delegation, outsourcing, you know, typical kind of, you know, at, right out of the book. And it worked brilliantly. And then it kind of didn't. Right. And it kind of just, it didn't fade out, but it became less, I guess it, it became less, not necessarily less listened to, but it was less talked about. And I think the fun of doing it kind of slowly became less and less of an importance to me. Right. And so, you know, when you start doing things for other reasons, you know, than either having a good time or, or making money and you're just kind of doing it because you feel like you have to. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, not a, that's not a healthy situation. So no, definitely not. I wrapped that up um, and at the exact same time almost, my first book, Virtual Freedom, uh, which was on the subject of, of building virtual teams, was coming out. And I said, okay, well, you know, I know I can reach an audience with this. Um, I do not want to run a podcast that's focused on working with VAs. Right. However... I know that I know that podcasting works and I know that I can get a good amount of buzz around the book launch. Mm. And so what we did is we had a limited 25 episode run and you can still you can still find it on iTunes I think. Um, and uh, 25 episodes we recorded them all in the space of like 3 days, batched really? the whole lot wow, of them. Okay. Yeah, and it was just one question, one answer or one topic, one problem, one solution per episode. And I just picked 25 of them out of the book, really. And I think we we kind of did the first half, went live before the book came out. And then the second half carried on dropping week by week after the book had been released. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we kind of timed it to the point where it was like, you know, by episode 12 or whatever, 15 or whatever it was. Um, the book is now out. You can get it all good bookstores, Amazon, blah, 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 blah. And uh, it went gangbusters. We, we sold like 9,000 copies of the book in the first two weeks. Wow. And everybody loved it. It was great. And so that was the second one. And then the third one that I did was uh, One Day Business Breakthrough with my buddy Pat Flynn. Oh, okay, cool. Um, he and I did a couple of events where we would work with entrepreneurs in an intimate environment for, for the day. And then somebody said, guys, this is so good. You guys should like turn this into a show. And we're like, 
okay. So we did an episode, uh, or rather did a season of it. I think it was 20 episodes. And then we did a second season, and then we did a third season. And by that point, we were both kind of done with it. Yeah. Um, not because we didn't like each other anymore, but because kind of, you know, it became repetitive to us, quite frankly. Yeah. And so we kind of just wrapped it up and Upana kicked off and... Uh, here we are, 450 plus episodes later. Very nice. So I, I guess the overarching kind of piece of feedback here is that just because you start a show, it doesn't mean that it has to last forever. Like you can sunset it at some point in the future if you want to, or, or even rebrand it and pivot yeah. in a slightly different direction with it as well. Yeah, I think that's a big common misconception that it has to just die. or it's it, That point of failure is something that I think just gets in the way so often. I hear people, yeah. oh, well, I don't know if I can do more than 20 episodes. Okay, well, don't. Maybe make those assets part of your business assets and they Absolutely. can become a resource. Um, you know, Basically what you did, you used that second podcast as a marketing, you know, pyramid basically build the audience up present them keep that engagement there's that that's it it's out now guys yeah, yeah because you know the big thing with that was that when the book came out what was it 14 15 16 dollars or something mm. you've already helped them to a certain degree you're not asking them to buy a $5000 course or no. something like that it's like you know if if i've helped you in any way shape or form over the course of this show, and you want to dive on the subject a little bit deeper, understand I've just been scratching at the surface here. Yeah. You know, so pick up the book. It's 15 bucks. I'll appreciate it. My publisher will appreciate it, and you'll get lots out of it. I promise. Who's not going to drop 15 bucks on a book? Yeah. You know? So, you know. You, you highlight there the, the engagement again, how important it is to engage with your audience. Where do you engage, where do you want your audience to engage with you from your podcast? You've spoke about calls to action. Yeah, there's really two places that I focus on. Um, the first one is our email list. Uh, it's the biggest asset that we have from a business standpoint. Mm. And then the second one is, well, it's really it's a toss-up between uh, Instagram and Facebook. They're, they're kind of like the two big networks where we know a lot of our prospects and our customers are. Mm. I personally spend way more time on Instagram than I do Facebook. The only reason I'll ever log into Facebook is to check into our private client groups, right. like the incubator group and you know the roundtable group for our, our higher-end guys. Um, that's literally the only reason I'll ever sign into really? Facebook. Everything else that you see coming from me on Facebook is run by my team. Uh, but but on Instagram, I like to hang out. You know, you can hang out in the shadows on Instagram. You can be a little creepy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's true to find just one platform that you can concentrate on or just two yeah. so that you're not overwhelmed. Have you tried Twitter and LinkedIn, which seem to be the sort of we have. the other ones out yeah, there? Yeah, we have. Yeah. Um, you know, Twitter moves too quickly, mm. I think. I don't know. I, th I think that that might change a little bit. In the future with our demographic, I don't know exactly. LinkedIn tends to be too stuffy. Um, I'm a professional guy. Don't get me wrong, like I haven't built three multi-seven-figure businesses by not being professional. Yeah. But I'm not stuffy. I'm not elitist. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I like to think I'm not boring. So, you know, <laughs> for me personally, LinkedIn, <laughs> LinkedIn come across to me kind of just as a little... 
a little tiring, a little boring. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I like to hang out with the cool kids, you know? And, and here's the thing, like, when I say on the podcast particularly, if I say, and I do this in emails as well, if you've got a question, send me a direct message on Instagram. I will get back to you personally. I promise it will happen. And so when these things come through, and I'm not in there every single day looking for it, but like once or twice a week, I'll go into my message request tab and I'll just fire off a whole bunch of replies in like half an hour. And sometimes I even get replies back from people saying, oh yeah, ha ha, I bet this is just Chris's VA. You know, that's all one of his team members or something like that. Yeah. So what I do is I shoot personal videos to them. Nice touch. And I reply to them and say, no, Matt, it really is me. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's me. Hello, is anybody home? That sort of type of thing. And um, they kind of just, they realize that, you know, I stand behind my, my word, you know? Yeah, that's a really nice touch. And standing by your word, I want to circle back to you currently don't edit your podcasts, which is a bit of a bone of contention between people that want to curate their message also, when people are starting out, they're worried they're going to look or sound a certain way and editing allows you to curate that image, which is important for some people, especially if they're nervous. And then you've got totally. the staunch yeah. sort of old guard, which is get it out there, be raw. This is what podcasting is about. It's about what happened there and then. Be honest, be emotional. People make mistakes. But you did edit in the past, but now you don't edit. Can you talk about your opinion on editing? Even Yeah, even with the edits that we did, I mean, that was literally in the first show. Mm. And even they were like, they were really minimal okay. as well. Like either I would completely mess up or the guests would completely mess up and say, oh, can we have a do-over? You know, that kind of thing. Or maybe, you know, back in those days, we were recording everything via Skype with call recorder. Yeah. So sometimes you might have a tech snafu and you have to disconnect and reconnect. So there was, yes, some editing involved. But I, I don't think we've edited the show other than dumping the intro and the outro with the you know with the audio in the middle yeah. and then cutting those together uh, and then once they're cut together we then uh, we balance all of the audio out sure. between guests and things like that but i mean that's post production stuff i wouldn't call that really hardcore editing i don't think i've edited a show since probably 2013 right something like that so i think the reason why also is that my style is very conversational and I think if I was to edit myself, that would become unnatural sounding yeah. to anybody that really knows me. Like, I'll, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll say, you know, I'll end a sentence with something like, you know, and that's why you do, do have to do that. Yeah, or, yeah. oh, whoops, I just said do-do yeah. on a podcast, <laughs> you know, but I'll keep it in. I don't try and edit it out because it's just, it's my style. So I think you've got to be true. I'm not going to use the word authentic because it's overused, mm. but I think you've got to be true to yourself and what you're all about and how you come across to your people as well. Yes. Like I always say, you know, your vibe will attract your tribe, right? And so if you're really kind of like wanted to be seen and known as somebody who's like really on the mark. Yeah, yeah. It's word perfect, then you're going to edit the crap out of yourself. But if you're a guy that's very chatty and conversational, then you don't need to worry about it at all. I'm lucky like that. Yeah, and we need to caveat that you are a you know, professional speaker. You are incredibly good at what you do. And you've already hit the topic like ahead of time. You've planned, you've ruminated, you've had discussions with people. These are things that you are in a position to reply to very promptly, very professionally. I think there's a lot of people out there that maybe jump on a microphone and waffle 
And then, then at that point, I would say you need to consider your listener. Is talking about the weather at the beginning really relevant? Um, do, you know, all the personal stuff, do we need to be talking about things that aren't evergreen, politics, geo issues? You know, it, maybe your audience needs to be treated better. And that's why I would yeah. suggest editing for people. And just don't, you know, just, just stay away from stuff that you don't know enough about yeah. as well. Yes. Like it's, like I would never anticipate doing a solo show on Facebook ads, yeah. right? Or copywriting or something with a skill set like that because it's, it's, I'm not good, like I don't know enough about that stuff. So what I'll do is I'll bring Amy Porterfield in to talk about Facebook ads, or I'll bring Ray Edwards in to talk about copywriting, yeah. or Sean Kennell in to talk about YouTube marketing. Like, if I don't know, I don't know. And I'm, I, I think I'm... It's being honest you know, to that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I'm just, you know, smart enough to know that yeah. you shouldn't open your mouth unless you know what you're talking about as well, you know? <laughs> that is key. Yeah, the smarts, it's important to have the smarts, definitely. Uh, Chris, this has been awesome. I just want to wrap up with some of my sort of ritual questions to get some okay. insights. I'm going to start with, do you have any podcast or content that inspires you and why does it inspire you? You know, I can honestly say, I don't think I actually subscribe to any shows mm, anymore. Really? But I'll dip in and out of shows um, and, and listen to certain subjects. There's one that I really do love listening to quite regularly. It's um, Work Hard, Play Hard by Rob Murgatroyd. Okay. Uh, every Friday, he does an episode with his wife, Kim, uh, and the two of them just hilarious. And, you know, they talk about business and life and kids and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, they can get into it a little on air. You know really? what I mean? And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite interesting. It's, it's, and it's bloody funny because they're, they're, they're just both very funny guys. So I like that show. I don't think I've ever kind of like tuned out of listening to friends like Amy mm. and Pat, you know, not only just because to kind of just genuinely to stay up to date with what they're all about and, and where they're at, but also because, you know, when you're at this level, you're very, very blessed to be able to attract people that are incredibly smart to come on to your show. And uh, I think that's also something that, you know, I will never take granted ever as a, as a podcast host. Like if I reach out to Gary uh, Vaynerchuk and say, Gary, can you come back on the show? You've not been on for a couple of years. Like I'd love to be able to discuss, blah, blah, blah. And he says, yes, like I don't take that just because there's a camaraderie there. I won't take that for granted and just assume that he's going to say, Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right? We did a special training with uh, Lewis Howes inside of the incubator about a year or so ago. And, you know, we booked him for an hour. He came on and we ended up going for like an hour and 45 minutes. Good man. And he was just like, no, I can stay a bit longer. I can stay a bit yeah. longer. And even though we're friends, like I don't, I just don't assume that people are going to be cool to, you know, to cut out their time like that. So, yeah, there's a, there's a few people, but I, I honestly say I don't actually subscribe to any shows at, anymore at all. I just dip in every now and then. Fair enough. Um, in your opinion, what is the hardest part in podcasting? I think probably consistency. I think a lot of people struggle with that. I did struggle with it until I discovered the power of batching yeah. many years ago. And now what I tend to do is I'll usually batch a minimum of four, sometimes as much as six episodes in a day and then not have to worry about it for four or six weeks or so. Like literally earlier on today, I did four episodes of the show. Wow. 
Because consistency will kill a show before it's ever really kicked off properly. If you're not consistent and your people aren't expecting that show to drop same time, same day, same bat channel, yeah. then, you know, they'll just tune out and find someone else to listen to you, yeah. no matter how good you are. And so I think consistency is the biggest thing more than anything. Try batching. It really works for me. Talking about consistency, how do you stay accountable then? You, you batch, but how do you maintain that you get those batches done, that you don't have three, four-month hiatuses because you've gone to series? Well, my team helps with that. You know, there are people on my team that are hired very specifically to do certain things as part of their role. Right. Uh, and if if one of them is to do the final output of the podcast and write the show notes and upload it, and they don't have episodes sitting in the Dropbox folder, they'll they'll be quick they'll to be tell on me. You. They'll be on <laughs> you. Know? you. Yeah, yeah. So during your... Uh, so I pay people, yeah, basically. They're demanding. Accountable is what they is. want it. During your time podcasting, what small change have you made that's made a huge difference? Uh, definitely just tech, I think. Tech. Um, Anything specific? Well, yeah, when I first got started, um, I, was, I was using my Apple microphone on my Apple Oh, headphones. really? The little white, dangly, scratchy... Like, yeah, yeah, nice, thanks. Show my yeah, age now, ooh. right? We're talking like the first 50, 60 episodes. They're still a guest favorite though. Right, oh yeah. And if I was <laughs> if I was wearing a shirt, like with a collar, and I was doing it a lot of the time because I would record them in the evening at our call center facility sure. with people on the other side of the way. This is when I was still living in the Philippines. The mic would sometimes bounce up against the hard collar on my shirt and you'd hear all this, you know, in the publishing. It was absolutely horrible. And then I got like a just a simple USB mic that cost me like 30 bucks. And I was like, this is great. And, you know, now I'm recording stuff and I'm holding the mic and I'm like a stand-up comedian and stuff like that. <laughs> but it, it was really kind of, I would say probably about five, six years ago, uh, I invested in an XLR with a audio recorder. I can't remember the box that we used. Mm. Um, I now use the Rode Procaster and everything goes into that, which is phenomenal. Um, but just getting a really, you know, a good mic, I have four acoustic panels right above my head here. We've got a vaulted ceiling in this room. Yeah. So, you know, th there's that chance for echo. So yeah. they kind of are right here. And I mean, I, I think that I've dialed things in tech-wise pretty well and the sound comes across nice and crisp now. So yeah, tech, spend a bit of money. Spend a bit of money. Especially, I think, finding people find their feet and then invest the money. Don't be afraid yeah. to get oh, going. You don't, yeah, you don't need the, the all singing, all dancing set up for episode one. But by the time you get to episode 50... yeah. You know, if it makes sense to do it, then by all means, spend a bit of money. That 1% <laughs> better every time, isn't it? Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to new content creators or those people sitting on the fence? Uh, just to get started, I think what happens is that we become paralyzed a lot of the time when it comes to content mm. creation and marketing because we think that, well, who's going to listen to that or who's going to watch this or who's going to read that? Something really special actually happens at about the six-month line. Okay. What we do, and I've seen this over and over again, so I can talk quite confidently about it, is that when you get started at the very beginning of your content creation journey, create content that you think people will like yeah. and will want to hear from you, right? Think is the key word there. <laughs> but then after about four, five, six months, we built up a bit of an audience. You've started to engage with them. They start telling you what they want and what they hear and what they don't like and what they love. Mm -hmm. And what happens is you can then make this very small little shift in going from this is what I think they need to this is what I know they need. 
Uh, and at that point, you can really start to you know, see some genuine fruits to the labor. Yeah. But at first, you've just got to go out there. You've just got to get going and just stay consistent. It's the biggest thing more than anything. Yeah. And you demonstrated there that the pressure relieves itself because you start to totally. get that engagement. You know what people want to hear. You know that you're hitting the nail on the head because you've been asked to talk about it. Yeah, brilliant. What three values do you want to be known for through your content creation? Uh, I think... Not authentic. We're not using that word today. No, no we're, we're definitely not using that word. Um, I think... <laughs> I think... Um, Kind of, I mean, my own style, kind of like no BS, mm -hmm. right? T telling it how it is. I guess I, I don't do rah-rah at all. It's not my, you know, that Tony Robbins can handle that stuff. Um, I just I just keep it, I just keep it real and just talk from experience uh, and from a, uh, from a place of, I hope, and this is another word that's getting thrown around a bit now, but like just empathy, like being okay. empathetic towards other entrepreneurs who have, who are on the journey. Uh, Jack Lemmon, the American actor, said it best, better than anybody else. He said, when you get to the top, you've got to send the elevator back down. Yeah, yeah. And so whenever I work with somebody, a coach somebody, even if I'm just being interviewed like this, I understand who's listening in or watching. Like, I just want to say, even if, even if the elevator just goes down by an inch, I'm, I'm happy. Mm. Because, uh, you know, having that empathy for other entrepreneurs, I think, is very, very important. But also keeping it real and just being yourself along along the line uh, of of that kind of journey that you take is equally as important as well. Yeah, well, I think you're doing a great job of that. And my final question that I like to finish with is, what do you think makes a good leader? I think a good leader continues to learn. I, I think that a good leader has to continue to learn in order to continue to lead. Yeah. Um, I think if you get to comfortable and you start resting on laurels that's when you become expendable that's when you become uh you know you, you that's a slippery slope so you've got to you know consistently upgrade yourself and read and surround yourself with the right people join masterminds go to events experience new you know cities towns countries all that sort of stuff like just you ain't that smart whoever you are <laughs> and just you know continue to learn really at the end of the day sage i love it great advice chris ducker thank you so much for joining me today it's been an absolute pleasure it's all my pleasure thanks matt cheers chris and that is the end thank you for listening to the cult creator experience i hope this has been helpful if you have any questions topics or feedback you would like to give me hit me up on instagram at cult.media k-u-l-t.media and if you need help launching your podcast growing your podcast or just starting your content creation journey let me know i'd love to give you a hand or answer any questions you might have head over to cult.media to book yourself a free call we can have a little powwow about podcasting and content and until next time be good <laughs>